Hello everyone and welcome back for season two of Fireside with Founders. Yep, that's right, we've made it all the way through season one and we're now on season two. Thank you so much for your support throughout season one. It was absolutely awesome. Um, I'm pleased to say that we've got some amazing guests coming up in season two. Uh, I think you'll get a lot of value from some of the the comments uh, and the feedback that we have from the founders of some of these amazing startups. So all that's uh, left for me to do is shut up and let you sit back, keep walking, however you're listening to your podcast and enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Fireside with Founders. Uh, this week, I'm joined by Tom Ferry, who's CEO and uh, founder of Stakester. Hey, Tom, how are you doing? Yeah, great. Thanks caught, for caught, letting me on. Excited to be here. Caught you mid-coffee. Sorry, caught you out there. You've actually caught... You've, I've actually, because of it, it's called Fireside with Founders, I've actually worn a very woolly coat, like <laughs> jumper. You can't see this unless you... I don't know if you're doing the video. But yeah. also, and I'm on a... Uh, I'm on a I'm on a, uh, a Chesterfield as well. So I actually feel like I'm beside a fire with you. Yeah, I'm socially distant. I'm nowhere near a fire. I'm actually in our boardroom in the office at the moment. Uh, which oh, okay. Is, yeah, okay, well, less, yeah, less, less firesidey, but you know, it's fine. fine. It'll, it'll do. That's fine. That's fine. Um, so, Stakester, just as a sort of a brief overview, are a business that have a platform that, that basically enable players, so e gamers and sports people, to, to monetize their skill. For, for one of a better phrase, ultimately. Hope I've got that right, Tom. Embarrassing if not, but... That's a little bit embarrassing, but yeah. So we, um, yeah, awful, awful. I'm glad that you don't work for me. You don't have to pitch for me. <laughs> Good. Um, <laughs> no, it's... So look, no, yeah. So what we do is, so uh, we have a platform which uh, we like to say just adds a bit more entertainment when you're playing your favourite games or sports. So if you are uh, playing FIFA against your mates and you want to make it a bit more entertaining, why not play for something? So you know, we have prizes on there and a bit of money. So, for example, Rupert, I'll be like, hey, Rupert, I'm better than you at, uh, at Call of Duty. So I'll tell you what, I'll chuck an antenna, you chuck an antenna, winner takes the pot. Simple as that. The basic stuff that we've all been doing for our whole careers um, as human beings, um, betting against our mates, making ourselves sound that we are um, we're better than them and showing that we are. Um, and so we uh, created a product that allowed us to do that. Nice. Very good. We'll, we'll get a bit more into that later, but cool. I want to start something by doing something a little bit different that we didn't do in series one, but a bit of a quick fire round to just sort of ease in, so get to know, know you a little bit better. So um, basically op- optional questions. So we'll start off, dogs or cats? Dogs, mate. Dogs. Who wants a cat? Rubbish. I know, absolutely. I can't walk a cat, that. can you? Why would you want to get a cat? You can walk a dog. My dog's right next door as well. What's going to happen if you get burgled? What's a cat going to do to that burglar? Nothing. My dog's going to murder them. Why would you want a cat? Cats are the worst thing ever. Don't make any sense. I can't tell people say to me they want a cat. I'm like, well, fine. Go and take your lack of personality and stop talking to me. Definitely a dog person then. Fine. Good. Country pub or city bar? Country pub every time, mate. Every time. Why do I want to go into a city bar and spend quadruple the amount of money possible just so I can get something that's been sat getting stale for about six months in the back of a vodka revolution down at the old uh, Leadenhall Market. Sounds rubbish. When I could pop in something. What's that amazing pub on the other side of uh, near your neck of the woods on the other side of the bridge in Henley? The one that's actually in like Surrey. The Angel. Oh, yeah, lovely. pop in there, get yourself a nice pie, vegan. I've actually gone a little bit plant-based, if they do a vegan pie. Yeah, Yeah, but lovely. That's the kind of thing you want. Lovely. Have a fireside chat like this one. I'm in. Man after my own heart. Rugby or golf? Oh, mate, come on. Come on. Well, actually, I say that. 
I'm, I'm a rugby, you know I'm a rugby boy. We had this chat beforehand. Mm. I'm a massive rugby fan. Um, it's been a tough year for us fans, but uh, I am a huge, huge fan, live for it. Um, but I've just got into golf, so it's difficult. Um, I'm not very good. Yeah, I'm playing off like 20. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I do, um, I do like golf. I always say that golf is um, ultimately creative because it just sounds, you know, a bit flouncy for to say to my mates, mates, just want to go for a walk and a chat. Yep. So I think that's why golf got created. That's basically yeah. what it is. Unfortunately, though, we, is. We, we can't even do that at the moment, though. Can't even do it. some point, we'll get back okay. to it. Uh, esports or sports? Wow. That's it. So look, um, yeah, the, this is the thing. I'm not a gamer. This is the worst thing about my business. Everyone's always like, what? He's a big gamer. I'm not a gamer. And I'll tell you what, uh, the story behind that later. But um, as you can tell, I'm actually... Uh, a lot of games uh, behind me. They're actually my brothers. Um, <laughs> but the um, yeah, I'm uh, yeah, I'm real sports man. Any sport actually. I don't, although I don't play football because anyone who's ever seen me play football knows I'm terrible at it. But I love. I, I live for it. Yeah. Good man. Cool. Well, look, that is the end of the quickfire round. I think you've uh, successfully negotiated that pretty well. So thank you. Thank you. For, thank you for playing. Um, so let, let's let's take a step back and start at looking at some of your your career. So, you know, following sort of university, take us through sort of your career through to, to where we are now and build yeah, up sure. before founding Stakester. So when I, um, so I had a very vanilla start to my career, did the classic, left university, went into like a tra- graduate training scheme at a bank. Um, and it's really interesting because when you leave university, you don't really know what's available to you as an option, career option. You know, when I was growing up, my options were like, you know, do you want to be a lawyer? Or do you want to be a um, do you want to be a doctor or do you want to be an accountant? Pretty vanilla stuff. I didn't really know what the world had, but I did know about this in inverted commas investment bankers. I knew about this. I knew about these Hollywood guys that I'd actually true story. I'd watched um, Wall Street with Charlie Sheen and Gordon Gecko, and right, obviously so. like every every teenage boy had been like Gordon Gecko's a absolute king. I love this guy. I was like, he's a villain. Nah, he's not a villain. He's he's a king. Um, so I always be an investor banker. That's the truth of it. And I did. I was really uh, wanted to get into that. But when I got there, I just realised that this is not actually fun. This is rubbish. Like I'm not really enjoying this. It's not as competitive as it should be. But then I remember as part of the rotation, someone took me down to um, as part of it, and there was a. Uh, God, I haven't told the story for a long time. There was part of it where they were like, uh, "This is a sales piece." I remember we had to go and sell. Um, I think it was like ISIS or something like that. It's like we had to basically set up meetings for these other people within the bank to go and to come and meet, talk about ISIS or something like that. And um, they sat down and said, right, here's a list of people to call. Here's a phone, here's a script. You know, we do this so you get to understand about customer service and so on. I was like, okay, cool. And they're like, I was like, and everyone's like, oh, I don't really want to do this because we're all quite analytical, the people who are in there doing the gig. And then the um the lady was showing us around i remember her name her name was carly and she said and if you um if you get a placement it's quite good you you get 20 pounds i was like what what i'm a grad mate i i can't afford to wash yeah this is amazing <laughs> so they're like you know you get 20 pounds and i was like i was like okay fine okay i said what's the most anyone's done in the day and they said oh we had this person in the last cohort that did um that did four and what in a day i said no 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 across the week they did four across the week and I was like, I'm in. So I get the script, I get on the phone and I'm just like, bang, bang, bang. Like immune to rejection. Um, it just didn't seem to affect me. Everyone else is hating it. 
Got to the end of the first day, and I remember really vividly, I've made £240 at the end of the first day. Wow. And I was like, I'm, I, I want to work in sales. What even is this job? I hate everything else. I was so inspired by competition. And um, I think the reality is, like, you, you're a sales guy. You get it. There's something about if you are competitive and you like um, and you enjoy that process, it just becomes really addictive. Like you just become quite addicted to the winning the big deals, chasing the big deals. And there's nothing else like it. And so I, um, much to the disdain of everyone else around me being like, what, you're even working at a bank? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go and work for, I work for a software broker. Okay. So I went to work in software. Cause I was like, I remember asking my mate and I said like, who, who makes the, the big money in the sales game? And they're like, oh, people sell it software and they, and they're getting, Again, so we commissioned. I was like, I'm in. So I went into, I went into that. Um, lo- I look, I, I was like a duck, duck to water. I love sales. I, you know, I loved it so much. I loved it. And I was very fortunate. I had a very, uh, very blessed career for a long time uh, where I fortunately was given a lot of responsibility very quickly and the opportunity to do it. And look, the reality of it is sales, what it comes down to is that do you have um, the right work ethic? Can you handle rejection do you take feedback well and can you evolve but also the big part of it is do you have the best horses in the race and anyone who's listening to this who is in sales right now and is really struggling and they feel like they've got rubbish accounts the truth is you're right you probably do have rubbish accounts and it does make a big difference um and i was like but if you make if you make something from rubbish accounts you tend to get noticed and then you get given the better accounts that's the nature of the, the game it's the truth isn't it it's making those accounts better Basically. Exactly right, you know, and that that is the truth. And then I got some big accounts, and then I had uh, I had a really great. I was very very blessed, and I worked at some of the. Um, I fell into data um, through um, which I didn't intend to do. Didn't tend to do. I didn't tend to fall into data. Um, you're working on the data side of things, but um, it was a booming market. I didn't know that, but I ended up falling into it, and I had a lot of success. And as a result of that, I met some really smart people and I met a group of people who were starting a, um, a really exciting network analytics company for people who don't know what that means. It's basically connecting bits of data together and analyzing what the connections mean rather than the individual pieces of, of data. Um, and I, um, I got dropped in, I met those people and they said, Tom, would you like to come and start a company with us? And I was like, what the, are you talking about? I get paid. I get paid really well. I have a really cushy gig. I've got a company car. I'll be honest. I don't actually do that much work. Yeah, to to be. I'm number one this year, mate. As well, it's a good year for me. And I was like, why would I want to give that all up and not get paid and work for something that I don't know if it's going to work or not? Because I never, I never knew what a startup was. I had no idea. So and how old um, were you at this stage? So I was twenty. It was just. It's so bizarre. Actually, funny story. So I um then so I agreed to to join the company. And then I find out um, I'm about to have my first child the day after I've signed the contract. So if okay. I'd found out before, <laughs> it would have happened. I think I was, um, would have been 31, 31, yeah. Um, and the truth of it is like, I was pretty set up. I was, okay, I was pretty good financially, I was doing all right. I had some good times and that's the truth. I say to people, if you're going to work for a startup at the very beginning, like having a bit of a cushion does help. I know it's not gonna be an end all, but like it does help if you're a founder, okay? Or part of the founding team because having a cushion can make a difference. But the reality of it is like, if it does go wrong, like you lose a year, you go back to another job, no one's gonna not give you a job because you went and worked for a startup for a year that didn't work out. Like anyone who's listening who thinks that's the case, then you're wrong like and i've hired people from startups and they have been some of the best hires i've ever had because they just have that grit and that determination to succeed 
But I remember, so I was having a chat with this, um, the guy, Vishal Maria, who's a uh, really great friend of mine, really in- impressive, super incredible guy. And um, I was kind of on the fence, but he didn't know this because like, he's like, yeah, he's, we were talking about joining and I'm obviously putting on the front that I want to join. And he says to me, he says, um, brilliantly, he was like, um, he said, Tom, look, are you, are you 100% in here? I was like, yeah. And he's like, okay. So Tom, look, I just want to ask you a question, right? Can you name me um, anyone who was the hundredth employee at a business? And I was like, no. Can you name me any of the first employees, any founders? And I was like, a list of like Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, yeah. all this kind of stuff. And he's like, cool. Smart I was like, move. you, you little recruiter. <laughs> and I was in and I was really blessed. And I worked with an amazing team there. Um, and that story was great. So I started, yeah, that was a company called Quantexa, super incredible network analytics business. I, um, I referred to myself as a founder, but it's a complete mis-selling. I wasn't a founder. I was a super, super early stage founding employee. Yeah, that's really what I was. Um, you know, I took a bit of salary sacrifice and so forth. Like I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't remunerated like a, like a team member, but I wasn't there at the point of inception when everyone decided to leave their job. So they had an idea, they had a concept and I came in as um, the commercial director. So there for growth and, um, but still very early on. But what it meant was it meant that I got thrown into this world of, of startup, right? I got fr- that I didn't know anything about and damn, it is wonderful. Like it's just, if you are, um, if you've worked in a corporate, you know, and you've understood what it's like to, for things to, you know, take time to happen or your ideas being like, you know, you come up with an idea and you say, oh, I've got a really good idea. And then you go to your boss and they're like, that's not really what we do. You know, or like, you know, you, you find yourself being in that presenteeism style where you have to go into the office and sit down and make sure you're there from seven in the morning to eight at night, just so you get noticed so you can get promoted and you're always trying to appeal to someone more seniorly so you can move further up the ranks and so forth. And your only real reward and then reward to progress is by making sure that your boss prefers you to the other person on the desk. And, um, and all of a sudden you come to this world where it's like, also oh, I'm recognized for my app. I'm recognized for my ideas. I have a playground where I can try things out, you know, and I have the freedom to do that. And it's, it's intoxicating and you come across the greatest minds ever, you know, and I've been in the startup game now for like six years and some of my closest and best friends that I have in my life now have come from that community because you meet sensational people. You meet people who are genuinely trying to change the world and it became completely addictive to me. Um, anyway, so I left Quantexa um, principally because they grew really fast. They got to a scale really quickly and we sold to some of the biggest banks in the world and we were smashing it. But I wasn't really a founder. You know, that's the truth of it. Like I was early stage and I, I had that itch to do it on my own, um, to go out and do something else. And as passionate I was about, you know, fighting financial crime, the reality of it is, is that I'm just a child who wants to compete with everyone. And so I wanted to create a business that revolved around that. And so, uh, so that was it. That's where that story ended and uh, the stakes of one began. And so where did you come up with the idea of stakes, sir? So you, story. well, yeah, well, this is, this is, I'm not, this is true. And a lot of people question it, but it is true. And uh, it's a great story nonetheless. 
Well, there's a guy called Ross Nichols, who is the uh, 13 times national champion at jiu-jitsu who can vouch for this. Um, weirdly, not my co-founder, Ross Nickel, um, who, is the, uh, who is not a jiu-jitsu champion and incredibly weak. Um, so uh, I was, um, true story. So I'd, I left um, Cortexa before I had another job to go to. I always be- I believe that, you know, if you are not happy someone, you're not giving your best to something, then you should move on. That's, that's the way I feel about these things. And so that was the decision I made. And, um, but anyway, so I was, uh, I was on, so I'm, I'm quite, I'm into my martial arts. I used to do a lot of uh, Muay Thai and karate, but um, as I've got older and I'm, you know, I'm not, um, that keen on brain damage, I've decided to get into uh, jiu-jitsu. And I'm not very good by all accounts, but um, uh, it, is, uh, it is a science and there's something to it. And so uh, I'm, um, I'm on the mat with these guys and um, this Russian guy comes in and he's pretty hench and he looks pretty good. He looks pretty tough. And he's like, I recognize you, it'll win, uh, you'll win competition. And I was like, yeah, I did win a competition. For Muay Thai, he's talking about. He's talking about Muay Thai. He's, he's got you here as well. He's, he's, he's sort of. He's, yeah, he's, I mean, look, in. he's definitely played to my vanity very well there. And everyone <laughs> around is like, shut up. Don't say it to this chump. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, I did. And he goes, but you look so weak. And I'm like, oh, okay. Good follow up. Good follow up. And then this progresses very quickly or yeah, digresses very quickly. And he says, well, how about the whisper sometime? And I'm like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Let, okay, fine. And so what he's saying is basically he um, he decides he wants to roll. Okay, and um, I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm like, let's do some standing clinch, which is like a stand-up thing in Muay Thai, like we used to do a bit of standing clinch. And he's like, yes, we do, we do. And so I'm going a bit technical here, but basically we wrestle. Uh, but beforehand, he's like, oh, what, what, we put the this accent is getting worse. It's a good accent. I don't know where you've gone. From it's not good bad. Well, I, to... My company have rushed investors. So Alex yeah. Pavlov, my, uh, my my brother there, he um, this is an exceptional impression of him, even though it wasn't him. He'll be you know, slightly was... disappointed by your Russian oh, accent. I feel he won't. He loves it. He's uh, <laughs> he's heard this. It's like how about we uh, we put some money in? And I'm like, yeah, all right, let's do it. So we put ten pounds in each. Basically, the way the story goes, and I wouldn't be telling the story if it didn't go this way. We roll. He's not happy. <laughs> it doesn't work out for him. By the way, just as a caveat, I must confirm, I am not good at jiu-jitsu or stand-up <laughs> clinch, particularly a Muay Thai clinch. I just happen to be better than this guy. Anyway, and um, so, so he storms off in the stock. And as he's going away, I'm like, hey, where's my money? Because I pay you next time. I pay you next time. I'm like, no, that's not how it works, bro. So I get my phone out. I'm like, it's got to be an app for this. I flip through it, and there isn't one. And then literally, as the story goes, boom. That's the idea. All right. Okay. So as a startup guy um, who's been surrounded by, like I'd been through the Microsoft Accelerator, I'd been um, through PWC one and I'd been, I, I was familiar with what you do as a founder to make something work. I was like, but I've got to figure this out. So what is so I run home and um, I'm very excited by the idea. Um, I go and sit in my uh, my mind palace, or as I call it, Cafe Nero. Um, and I just sit down and I go through all the things I've got to figure out. And I'm like, look, how big's the market? Where's the opportunity? What are other people doing? Are there other people in the space? Of course, other people have the idea. Why did they fail? And so forth. But I stumbled across this idea really early on. And that was like, first of all, and it's an obvious one. Like, I instantly was like, we've got to do this for sports. Yeah. So, yeah, me and you, Rupert, we go and play a game of golf. We both put a tenner in, winner takes all, right? That's that. And we do that. Okay. But it's not big enough and it's not necessary enough. And I haven't solved a problem as much as elsewhere. And you know, a lot of the reason that companies fail is because they're not really solving a problem. 
and again they're not ready so but then I came across the esports side of it I was like surely for gaming we can make this work because I'm not there with you I don't know you I don't have that I need to trust that I have a third party that I can trust to exchange this money or this prize and so uh, I picked up the phone to a um, really good friend of mine called Monica Hathaway who's based in New York used to work with me at my previous company and she does CrossFit, so she's a dickhead. And um, I uh, told her the idea. She's like, oh my God, this is amazing. We got to do this. Awful impression. She sounds nothing yeah, like that. She sounds <laughs> nothing like that. She's much more aggressive. And she's, um, and I was like, yeah, the problem is I don't have anyone. In, I need to speak to someone in gaming. I need someone on the esports side. And she's like, well, do you, do you know my fiance? And I'm like, no. Why, I don't care about your personal life. <laughs> she's like, and he's just like, well, he was the co-founder of Grand Theft Auto. I'm like, oh. So enter Gary. Is so enter Gary. So I'm like, so I said, this is, this is true. <clears throat> I said, all right, what's he doing tomorrow night at six? Your time. <laughs> she goes, why do you want to call? I said, no, I'm looking at Skyscanner. I can be in New York tomorrow night at six. I'm pitching him. So I jump on the next flight, uh, much to the insane of the mother of my children. Um, I pop <laughs> on the flight. I fly over to New York. Uh, pre-COVID, and I sit down with Gary, I'm like, Gary, here's the pitch, buddy. And he's like, I remember, we get to the end of the pitch, and he's like, nah, I've got like 30 reasons this isn't going to work. And I'm like, oh, all right. He said, but I'm in. <laughs> so that was it. So that's, that's the day we were born. And then okay. I started assembling a team of Avengers. Um, but this is the cool thing. We had a cool test, market test, which I like talking about. So I wanted to be sure that this was a thing. I had this idea that um, this is a bit pitchy, actually. If you want me to just you know, change the subject, let me know. But no, carry I, on. I, had, I was like, I don't think, I don't think, because I'm. This is the thing people don't say. I'm fully against gambling. I think gambling is the devil. Don't put money on something you can't control. What we do is you can only put money on an outcome that you can control, whether it be a sport or uh, an esport or something you can control. And so. I said to, um, I was like, look, everything's about the entertainment. I think about when I play pool or whatever, we put a bit of money on it, it just gets more entertaining. Or if you play for a dare, you know, like when I was at university, can you hear my dog go mad? I can, yeah. Yeah, she's really, she's really, she's really, really about this. she really doesn't like that postman. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so. A cat, a cat wouldn't do that. The cat, no, a cat wouldn't do that, would they? That's why you don't have cats. You know, you know exactly. Postman comes to the door and a cat just looks at them. Yeah. yeah. You don't know who they are. No. Give me anyone. Just let themselves so, in. So I sat down and I was like, it's about the, I think it's about the entertainment, but how do I measure this? Yeah. When I think about the best things I did at university, be the dares, you know. Um, I remember the consequence once, if you dropped a pass in a rugby match, well, it's quite severe. I don't even want to say what the consequence was. Um, yeah. Um, and so the, um, I was like, I think it's about the entertainment. So I run around to my buddy's house and I invite a few mates. And I buy, I buy these cheap heart rate monitors, like the cheapest ones I could find on Amazon. I think they were like 20 bucks each, you know, madness. <laughs> and um, I chuck them all on. And I've got this little spreadsheet I've made. And I'm like, okay, they're like, what, Tom, what are you doing? This is such a madman. So I'm logging onto this spreadsheet. And um, we start off with playing a bit of FIFA uh, and a bit of COD actually at the time. And I'm like, okay. And I measure their heart rates. And then what I do is I'm like, right, guys, now we're playing for pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now I'm playing for a couple of beers. Now I'm playing for a dare. And I was measuring how the heart rate changed. And it was mad. People were going from like, you know, 85 to like 140 just because they were playing for something. I was like, that's when I knew I had a business. Yeah. And that's the story. That's where we got to. And that's how Stakes began. 
Nice. Okay, cool. And so fast forward uh, a little bit further, then you guys launched in May of last year. So yeah, right in the peak of COVID, classic yeah. time to, to launch. But I suppose in terms of looking at the product that you guys have, from an esports perspective, a good time to launch when people are at home playing online. Yeah, yeah. Like it's all, you never want to say that you're profiting from death, right? Okay, you never want to say that. It's been a really sad time, you know. Um, but we we were definitely if people were at home, and it meant that there was more games taking place. <laughs> yep. Now we, I, in truth, we probably weren't ready for the first lockdown. Probably weren't ready for it. You know, like a product was early stage. You know, we have critical mass issues like anyone else who has a market based product essentially. Um, but we started. But we were we were surprised by how successful we were. I think is the way to describe it. We were incredibly blessed by the amount of traction that we had and it's continuing to go that way. So we've been very lucky. Um, and that springboarded us from a, um, you know, a bootstrap round, which was a bootstrap and um, angel round, which was hard. I'll happily talk about how we got our first checks. It's a good story. Um, but then we moved into, we were able to run a fairly significant uh, seed round um, later on in the year as a result of that success. And now things are getting even better. So it's been a good time for us. So yeah, let, let's, before we talk about the, the seed round, let's talk about the, the sort of, you know, your, your initial round to, to get sort of funds. How, how do you go about getting funds on board, getting investors interested? So it was, um, and yeah, I don't know how practical you want the advice to be, but I'm happy to talk about it specifically. Um, and um, yeah, quick plug, if you um, follow me on Medium at Thomas, Thomas Ferry, I've written a few articles about how to raise money at the early stages. Um, and that's F-A-I-R-E-Y, just in case you think I'm the other fairy. But the, uh, it's, um, it's hard. At the very beginning, like, you know, I put money in myself and I'll admit that, like I did put money in. I did cover people's salaries to begin with. People did give up their money to start, um, but then I had to cover them uh, while we were raising and things like, you know, just like setting up Google, you know, um, infrastructure, basic, basic stuff costs money at the beginning. It's not free. Um, and so I did put money in to do that at the start. I don't want people to think that I came, that we did it with nothing because uh, that wouldn't be true. But then it became really hard, like really hard. Um, and I remember at the beginning, I straight away at the very beginning, I made some mistakes. Like I went to see VCs really early on. Yeah, so I went to see some great guys over at um, Four Partners, Luke there, great guy. Um, I went to see Kieran over at Ascension, some really great funds and people who I really respect now and, and have a good relationship with. And I'm glad that they made me stronger as a um, Russell Kindred. And I met all those guys and I was like, I just didn't know the answers to the questions. I didn't know the answers. Like I didn't know like how big we were going to scale. Like I, I'd been through this before and yet still I didn't know the answers. Yeah, I didn't know what, I knew an answer, but I didn't know the answer they wanted to hear. Um, and I was badly educated on that front. Um, little plug here. It actually inspired me to start my podcast, The Back Yourself Show, which is specifically about problems that early stage founders see and how they raise money. Um, you can find me in all of your uh, podcasts, uh, places where you listen to them, at Back Yourself Show with Tom Ferry. Um, nice. yeah. it, it is a good po podcast worth listening to. There's some good advice on there and some, some good people and guests you've had on. Uh, Thank you very it's much. Not, it's no, no, not quite as... Uh, as prolific as this one, oh, but you know, it's, yeah. it's incomparable, it's incomparable, incomparable. <laughs> it exists. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we had, um, so we had a, um, yeah. So, um, but I didn't know the answers and advice for the founders there is, um, speak to people you don't care. You don't want to invest at the beginning. 
you know, speak to people who just test it out. You know, I spoke to people I wanted to invest in me straight at the very beginning and it didn't work out because I didn't know the answer. I said silly things like, you know, uh, oh, this, these are really conservative numbers. So which I think, I don't want conservative numbers. I want you to tell me these are going to be sensational and amazing. You know what I mean? That's what they want. They want to believe in the hype. Mm. Uh, they want to believe you. They want to feel your energy, you know? And um, it wasn't until I met some amazing people like Chris Adels back, who is an investor now, Eamon Carey at Techstars, Max Kelly, yes, people in my show, who actually taught me about some of the mistakes I was making. And it became really hard. And I went to the angel community and the way I found angels initially was LinkedIn, uh, Angel Investment Network, which I highly recommend, by the way, because I didn't know any. Um, and let me say, uh, actually, a sad but good ending to a story. So um, the hardest thing for us as a business was always trying to convince people that we weren't gambling. Okay. Uh, we got signed off by the Gambling Commission really soon on. Yeah, and we had good legal coverage very early on about whether or not we were. And that's where most of the money went at the beginning was to make sure from a legal perspective, we were solidly, you are not gambling. You know, you are, you don't need a license. Yep. And we spent money on that because we didn't want to fall into that trap of thinking that we knew what we were talking about when we really, we don't. So we asked yeah. a lawyer who did. And uh, we were, we were sat in the, um, but yeah, like banks wouldn't work with us. We couldn't get a payment provider. And I remember where I was, I was walking back from the gym. I was pretty knackered anyway, so probably a bit emotional, probably been beaten up. Um, and then I, um, in the space of time, it took me to walk from Holborn to where I had an, uh, a, a co-work in um, near Oxford Street. I received three rejections from angels and I received two rejections from payment providers. And I sat and went into a Starbucks, which instantly makes you miserable because the coffee tastes like just dirty water. And um, I got in there and I was, um, I thought about quitting. Genuinely thought about just giving it up. I was like, I'm, I don't think this is going to work. I'd actually started writing an email to some of the uh, people who are now working with me to say, guys, like, I don't think we're going to make this. I don't think it's going to work out. I think these barriers are too high for us. And I don't think I can afford to fund this anymore. And um, I think right now it really hurts. And then... Yeah. Um, but I went to meet with um, a friend of mine, uh, a friend called Emma Davidson. I went to meet her for a coffee. Um, and I was like, look, I'm not going to give up on this. Like, it's hard, but I've got to keep going. Um, you know, and that's the thing. You just got to keep, keep plugging away. That's what everyone always says. Um, and I met up with her and I was testing my pitch on her and her husband, Miles. And um, this is madness. Testing my pitch on her. This guy, Scott, comes over to me and he says, um, mate, I just heard what you're talking about. Can I can I give you my card? I think I'd like to invest. <laughs> and that's where my, fir that's where my first money from. It actually came from his business partner, a guy called Steve, but like, yeah, that's my first money came from, nice. uh, from, from him. There you go. And once you get your first angel, things start to get a bit easy. You start to refine yourself. And then, um, I say to people, it took me nine months to raise half a million in pre-seed. And it took me two weeks to raise two and a half million in seed. <laughs> So let's let's jump to that then in terms of the difference in in terms of the raises. So as you mentioned, so two and a half million recently through um, RTP Global and, uh, uh, GFR, and, and GFR and and, and GFR, yeah. yeah. And so what was that? What was that raise like in comparison? You say it's two and a half weeks. So I'm assuming in terms of time easier, but there are obviously going to be challenges along the way. As there okay, so a couple of lessons. So first of all, I'm a hundred pitches down by this point. Yeah, my pitch is so tight. Yeah, if I went in Dragon's Den, Peter Jones would just come up and throw money in my face. Yeah, um, it was like that. 
Okay, probably not quite that good. He's not that aggressive. Also, he's also famously De- bad Debra at giving. De- Debra might. should just be like, yeah, but I'll give you this. Chuka Suleiman would say, yeah, but I want 50% of the business for £1,000 or something <laughs> horrific like that. Um, God bless them. The, um, so I... You've, my pitch is super tight by that point. Like you've been through it. You know what people want to hear. You know, you've got more of a story to tell. That's why I say to people, like, when you're raising money, try to push it out as long as you can. Because the longer you go on, the better you are at pitching, the more of a story you have, the less of your business you have to give away because you've got a better valuation or you get more money for what you're doing. So try and, try and push it out as far as you can. Try to do that. Um, but I'm slick, first of all, at that point. I know that. I know my pitch. I know the response. I know the questions they're going to have. But also, it's exciting. And I, I had built around. Okay, this is something I talk to you about. Like, don't, don't take the first person that comes to you for money. We had, we're very blessed. We had five term sheets by that point. You know, we, I'd spoken to a lot of VCs. Okay, I'm not saying that every one of them said yes. But I've spoken to a lot of VCs. And we had an exciting proposition. We had traction. We had a big market. We had a good team. Like the risk has just disappeared for the investors at that point. Um, I targeted the right types of VCs. I spoke to the right things. I got the right intros. I had some, my, a good tip for anyone, try and find a super investor. You know, find someone who's amazing, who's going to connect you to other people. So people like for us um, were like Chris Adelsback, Jens Lipinski, um, Dan over Adler, you know, they were amazing. So Dan Adler, sorry, at um, Adte Ventures. You know, these guys are really good at connecting me with other investors and helping to build up that traction. But, you know, build that portfolio of people you're speaking to so you have those offers on the table and then you can choose which one you want. Um, It really makes a difference. And FOMO is the biggest thing in this game. You know, it really is. Like, you know, and I, you know, like you build belief as well. The more people you pitch to, the more people say yes, the more you realize that actually you do have an amazing product and amazing team. Um, and so RTP, like they were not the person I thought I was going to go with. Uh, but the more I met them, the more I loved them. I just, they just, they just got it. You know, that Russian mentality of like, would you be the best? We'd be the biggest company. We'd be number one. I sound like Khabib, <laughs> Khabib Nogamedov there. I'm amazing. It's a good impression. Um, yeah. yeah, they're amazing. And I love them. And they, I literally... I, I can't recommend them enough to anyone else. Um, so I've been really blessed to have them on. Right, so, so perhaps don't always uh, bank on sort of going with, with someone that you think you're going to, to get as an investor. You know, look at a broader spectrum because people will surprise yeah. you. People will, and companies will surprise you as well. Yeah, and truth, you know, I, I, I didn't know who RTP were before I met them. Um, they were recommended to me by one of my investors. I didn't know who they were. Um, and I'd be speaking to the, the big names and um, we had some offers. And I was like... I didn't know these guys, but then I thought about like, like money's money's money. Like if you're just chucking money and that's fine. Yeah. Okay. What you need to find is someone who's going to help you grow. Who's going to, who also has your mindset. Like my, my guy over at the, the VC, like when I talk to him, 15 minutes of our chat is us just, you know, being competitive with each other. Um, we've had bets with each other already of which I've lost. Um, but like that's, you get that mindset. If someone believes in you and they believe in you, or you feel that faith in you and your team to run your business the way you should, that's what you want. Okay. Um, so it makes a difference. Perfect. And so look, where, where next for the business then over the, the next 12 months, where does stakes to go from here? We, um, so I don't talk in terms of metrics. Okay. Um, I talk in terms of titles. Okay. This may sound a bit bizarre, but like, um, 
in sport, you know, everyone's like, you know, your regional champion, your county champion. You probably wouldn't recognise this, Rupert, but um, you know, other people who are <laughs> athletes. Other successful athletes, yeah. Other successful athletes would have tasted county champion, national champion, those kind of things. You move up those grades. Um, you know, we're national champion right now, but by the end of this year, we want to be number one globally in terms of what we do. And um, I think we'll be there by probably by May anyway. But um, you know, that's our target for this year to be number one. Okay, and once we get into that number one, that's when we start to run ahead of the race and we start setting some crazy records. Okay, so this year is about becoming world champion. Um, and we will. And I hope my competitors are listening because I'm enjoying the fight. Perfect. And if you were to look back at your former self when you started the business, what advice would you give to yourself today as just a sort of a final word that people can perhaps look back on and say, okay, well, this is how I can hopefully uh, learn from any, any sort of changes you would have made? Yeah, so um, there's a couple of things. One, talent is everything. Like the best teams build the best companies. And um, I've made some hires that I regret uh, making. Um, I also made some hires that were amazing but weren't right. You know, so like there's, if you're going to spend more time on anything as CEO, spend it on talent. Um, I didn't. Um, that's one thing. Um, two, don't get an office just at the beginning of lockdown. Uh, I can vouch for that. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, I couldn't do that. I think, um, yeah, that's the one thing I would, I would focus on. Um, something that was told to me at the very beginning, and I think, you know, we probably had it already, but I really respect the advice is that enter, and something I've learned is enter every single conversation assuming you're wrong um, rather than thinking you're right because what it does is it just means that if you are right it's a, it's a pleasant surprise but it means you're not hurt if you aren't um, and I you know and it is a really difficult thing to be as a founder is uh, you, you you spend your life hiring people you should spend your life hiring people who are infinitely better at you than the job than you would be and the reality is that you're going to be wrong a lot of the time. And data is more powerful than ego. Um, and it's very easy to be a founder and be like, well, no, this is my idea. This is what we should do. I think this is going to be right. It's very easy to do that. And I see it a lot. But I also see that as the reason that a lot of founders fail. Um, the other thing as well is I like just talk to people. Talk to everyone. Don't be afraid of giving away your idea because they're not going to steal it. Yeah. Just talk to everyone about what you're doing. And then and don't be pressured about it. Feedback's a gift take it. Um, and the final piece of advice I'd say to people, just hustle, like work hard. And that doesn't mean work all the time. And people like I said, don't work hard, work smart. But if you work smart, work a lot. Yep. Yeah? <laughs> At being smart. Like the rest of it is whoever puts the most, gets the most output out is probably going to achieve the most, the quickest. Being fast is the most defensible thing you can ever have as a startup. Okay. And so just work as hard as you can constantly. Um, yeah. And do find time for yourself to take time out. Yeah. Work Good out. Balance. Wow. You've got to work out. Yeah. Don't give up on the exercise. Don't give up on nutrition. Yeah. Very good. Perfect. Well, look, I think we'll, we'll wrap up there, Tom. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure having you on and uh, I hope to have you, have you back on in the future when I imagine this will, will be, this probably will be the most successful podcast you've done. I would have thought so. I um, so, yeah. Purely by the fact that I'm hugely vain. Um, yeah, fine. All right. Thanks if not, you'll never be back. That's true. Uh, on that, uh, if you do want to find me, you can find me at the Back Yourself Show. Um, thanks so much. Good segue. It's been a pleasure, buddy. Cheers, Tom.
So that's a wrap on episode one of season two. I really enjoyed that. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed doing it. Um, Thanks again to Tom for coming on. Uh, As I say, I had an absolute blast. Um, Next week, we've got Max van Kathoven from Brainjaneers coming on talking about his journey and his business. Um, So where they use neurology to help companies understand their customers better so some really exciting uh stuff there and get to geek out a little bit in terms of how it all works so hope you can join us then